Welcome to another episode of Running Through History with Coach Hinchling. This is um, the introduction to Unit 3 for my AP Gov class. And so for this unit, we're going to look at political parties, we're going to look at interest groups, and we're going to look at other political organizations. And so our focus is going to be how political parties interact with interest groups and organizations to form the basis of our political structure. So to start the unit off, we're going to talk about what is a political party and what is it exactly that they do. Um, because when you think about political parties, they obviously endorse candidates and they try to win public office. Um, they try to win all kind of offices, whether it's local, state, federal, because the more offices they win, the more successful they will be in influencing our, our political system. Um, so we'll take a look at that. Um, there are two theories that I want to briefly introduce now, and I'm going to focus a lot more on one of them um, here in a minute. And so the first theory is about how political parties function. is summarized by a theory called the three-headed political giant. Um, and political scientists have come up with this theory when they describe a political party. And so basically, the three-headed giant, these are the three heads. The first is the party as the electorate. The second is the party as an organization, and the third is the party when they are actually in government. Um, and they will actually function very differently in each of those parts. And so we're going to take a look at that in just a minute. I want to break that down. But before we do that, I think it's worth mentioning another political theory by a man by the name of Anthony Downs. Um, he's a political scientist who talks about the idea of rational choice rational choice when we talk about political parties because um, what this theory assumes is that parties and political actors have goals such as obviously winning political office um, but oftentimes what he theorizes is that it's actually more important to win the offices than their ideology itself I mean ideology is obviously important and candidates aren't going to do just anything to win. But rational choice, this model, theorizes that the goal of winning public office is more important to a candidate and to the party than the ideology itself. I mean, of course, we have two major political parties with very different ideologies. And they're not going to veer you know, so far away um, from, the, from that. But winning is the most important political task to them. Um, and so we will we'll talk about that in this in this unit. So I just wanted to bring that up right here in the beginning. So let's go back to the three-headed giant theory and talk about those three parts. The first is the party in the electorate. And so what this looks at is how the how the party functions in the electoral process. Um, and a few things that stand out are that these parties consist largely of symbolic images. Um, there are actually no formal, there's no formal membership in American political parties. Um, like in other countries around the world, there are formal memberships to all the different political parties. A vast majority of Americans who vote are actually not members of the party that they vote for. They will identify with the party, 
through symbolic imagery. Um, I mean, it's often a psychological label that you're not an official member. It is more about an abstract notion and that you identify yourself as either a Republican or a Democrat or a Socialist or a Libertarian or whatever else, um, largely based on how you identify with that party's ideological profile. So the clearest trend of the past 20 to 30 years has been um, the decline of the power of the two major political parties. There are increasing number of people who have veered away from the two major parties and have voted for a third-party candidate um, in the last few um, pre presidential elections. Um, mostly, this has actually hurt the Democrats, um, but it is a, a major trend that both parties should pay, pay attention to. The other thing that's important to know about the party in the, in the electorate is something called ticket splitting. And this is an increasingly important um, trend that political scientists are paying attention to. And what this means is that you vote for one political party for one office and another party for another. So maybe in state elections you vote Democratic, but in the national election you will vote for the Republican Party. And so that is, again, something that political scientists are paying attention to in terms of how the party functions in the electorate. So that's the first part of that three-headed giant. The second one, the second head, is the political or uh, the party as an organization. Um, and so one thing that stands out is that there are, the parties are very decentralized and they're very fragmented. And this is something that's very different from major political parties around the world. Um, they are much more centralized and much more cohesive. And what this means is that the Republican Party, um, let's say in Maine, might be quite different from the Republican Party in Arizona. It also means, though, that the National Republican Party has relatively little power over how the Republican Party in different states functions. So again, this is very different from other Western industrialized society. Um, so that really is, is, is looking at the, um, at the party and how it's organized as an organization. Um, and another thing within that we'll look at is, is um, how we have in the United States of America, which is very different from other Western industrialized nations, is how we have just kind of party eras, which um, is how, you know, America, we have these two major political parties, and for most of our history, one or the other has been dominant for a certain period of time. So maybe five years to 20 years, um, we have one political party that is going to dominate um, Congress. They're going to dominate the, um, the executive office. And so what that leads to is a pretty cohesive era where one party, um, again, has been dominant. But in most of the Western industrialized countries, the government usually consists of more than two parties. It could be three, four, or five parties, sometimes up to ten parties. And what they are doing is they have to work together to form a coalition. Okay? Um, and so for America and our political system, um, we have actually been more static than some of the other political systems in other Western industrialized um, nations. So again, as I mentioned earlier, what this, what political scientists are kind of thinking about is looking at third parties. Um, again, their importance has drastically increased over the past two decades. 
um, and their importance is growing. And so we'll look at why is this happening, um, what types of people vote for third parties, how is this affecting um, our um, our our democracy, and what is it what does it mean for our democratic system? Are we eventually going to move to that to having a third party or a fourth party or whatever else? Um, and uh, and what and what would that mean? Well, we have to form coalitions, and what would that look like? Um, another big part of this unit, y'all, we're going to look at is the role of the media, of the mass media, um, and how mass media impacts our political process, how it impart, impacts how our political process functions, and how it impacts how our political parties act and behave. Because the mass media is tremendously important in today's society. Um, we have entered into something that political scientists call the era of high-tech politics. And so what that means is as soon as somebody says something, that something is in the media, it's being reported, it's being tweeted, it is being put over all kind of websites, and it's being spun in a number of different ways. And it means that the mass media has become increasingly powerful in shaping the political discourse in the United States of America. Um... And this is the case in many Western industrialized countries as well. And so, for political parties and how they function, to be politically successful today, in today's society, one has to control the message that the mass media presents about your candidate, about your party, about your policies, about your promises, and everything else. And if you can't, if you can't control that message, then you're probably not going to be um, that successful. Um, and so that's going to be, again, looking at how the mass media affects politics. But we're also going to take a, a, a quick look at how the mass media reports the news. Because with the growth of cable news channels, such as CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all that stuff, reporting the news... Um, it has become a huge part of the political process. And so what we'll look at is, what is the news? How do you define it? Who determines what is news? And who determines what is going to be on the nightly news? Um, and so what we'll do is we'll take a look at what, what gets put on the nightly news. What gets put on these websites. And, and it is in, enormously important when it comes to shaping um, again, a candidate's message in shaping the political process. So, obviously, we, if you've been paying attention at all in the past uh, year or so, the role of our media in our political process, um, what we're looking at now with what is called fake news, and who defines what is fake news, what exactly is fake news. Um, so we'll take a look at, um, at that. Um, after we talk about the media in this unit, we're going to turn to interest groups <laughs> because they are a huge part of the political process and had, it has become increasingly contested over the last decade or so. And so we're going to take a look at these questions. What defines an interest group? Are they good for democracy? Are they bad for democracy? What makes an interest group successful? And how do they try to shape um, policy? 
because political scientists will agree that they have become increasingly powerful when it comes to shaping public policy. Um, and so that is is really going to be um, a lot of this unit. So it's, it's action-packed. Got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, and I hope that you guys, um, again, keep up the good work. Because what we're learning, you guys, is super, super, super important. Um, and so I hope you guys are paying attention, not only to, to what we're learning in class, but paying attention to the news. You know, I've sent you guys some some podcasts to pay attention to. Again, I can't stress enough how NPR politics, that podcast, is really important. Because what you'll hear people talking about on some of these political podcasts are what we're talking about in class. The role of the media, the role of interest groups. You know, just this week, um, we have had the shooting in Las Vegas. And so we'll talk about lobbyists, and we'll talk about the role of money in elections. Um, And so that's, you know, one of the things that people are talking about this week is the NRA, and them being an interest group, and what they are, and how they impact policy. So, again, I hope you guys um, just jump right in. And I can't wait to hear your voices and hear your thoughts. And, and um, yeah, here we go, y'all. Unit 3. <laughs>